Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. My name's Charlie. And I'm Hannah. And we're two 20-somethings reading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're chatting about chapters 14 and 15 of Order of the Phoenix. And we are joined by a very special guest, everyone's friend of the podcast. I mean, everyone's much preferred podcast to this one. <laughs> Sequoia Simone from Fanatical Fix and But Make It Scary. And I've got to say, it is one of my favourite episodes we have recorded and one of my favourites to edit. It was a hoot. I have not listened to it back yet. And I feel like we recorded this ages ago. So I am so fucking excited. We fucking love Sequoia and we love our sister podcast, Fanatical Fix. So... This I I just I've not listened back to it yet, but I'm so fucking excited. I know that it's going to be an amazing episode. First, we have a few shout outs to do. Uh, some thank yous to some brand new patrons. So a mahoosive thank you to Matt. We always say mahoosive. I'm going to insist that you give Matt something a bit more original than that. A meteor size thank you to Matt. A ketamin size thank you to Katerin. <laughs> A St. Paul's Cathedral size thank you to Stephen. An Alice Band size thank you to Alice. <laughs> we also have a favourite review from this week. So this review comes from... Does that say tits up? <laughs> Can we say that? This review up? comes from Titsuck, tits who up. is in Sweden. <laughs> Titsuck from Sweden says, Did my yearly read through the books Stephen Fry read? I listened, got my yearly post read depression where I realised oh. that there are no more books. Found this podcast. Will to live restored. Oh. <laughs> I'm a bit worried about you, Titsuck. If I wasn't so massively pregnant, I would have bought my own gobbler and shared some wine with you. Oh, hope you get to go through some of the additional stuff from JK Rowling on Pottermore. The books will end way too soon. Love from Sweden. Yes, it is a great country. Charlie, it's... we have a lot of pregnant listeners and I really feel like we have impregnated a lot of things into unborn babies' <laughs> brains that I don't think should be there. We are like, it's like when Voldemort wanted to teach at Hogwarts to like impression on the next generation we do that but with fetuses we're sorry I, for all your fetuses I massively relate to that that's a, such a lovely review so massive thank you to Titsuck I'm gonna feel really bad if that's actually someone's name yeah same if that is your actual name or something please send us a correction anyway thank you so much for all your wonderful support and on to this fantastic episode with Sequoia Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I, I thought Charlie just, was going to jump in there, but she's frozen. I, I didn't freeze. I just didn't know what to say. Like, hi? Oh, okay. Hi, <laughs> no, hi? You were like, Today. hi everyone. And then I was like, am I everyone? Or uh, is Sequoia everyone? <laughs> or are the listeners everyone? And then I had like a complete mental breakdown about like what everyone was. And it got really existential. Right. And the, yeah, right. so oh. hi. Well, now what you've done is given away that I was going to introduce that we have oh, yeah. a very special guest on it, Sequoia. We have a very special guest on it, Sequoia, everyone. Hello. <laughs> you will love her. You will know her from Fanatical Fix. And now, but make it scary. Oh, thank you. Hi. You actually haven't been on the podcast. It is actually just Kim from Fanatical Fix who has been on the po on our podcast. Yes. Yeah. I, I find it right. actually absolutely incredible that I have not been on this podcast yet because um, you are our sister podcast. So it would, it I would know. track 
that I had already been on, but I haven't. So I'm really excited to be here. Here And today we are talking about chapters 14 and 15. We are. We clearly hadn't planned this. I'm like, what are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to do, what house are you? Oh my God, yes, the questions. We have oh. questions, Hannah. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry we forget. You, t- you ask them, Charlie. You're, you're more organised than me tonight. We get drunk and then we forget how to podcast. So yeah, Sequoia, <laughs> tell us what house you are. Excellent. I am a Slytherin. Yes. <laughs> Ambition is my number one trait. How about what do you think of Order of the Phoenix in general as you've come on for this book? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that if I had to rank the books, when I read them originally as a teen, I would put Order of the Phoenix near the bottom because I was just Mm -hmm. like so annoyed with like teen angst, Harry. Why doesn't everybody love me? Why doesn't everybody tell me what's going on? My life is so hard. I'm the chosen one. You know, like it was just like a little bit. A little bit difficult to swallow as a teen but as an adult going back to these books I am looking at Harry and I'm like wow what a little tiny traumatized little baby boy you know and Mm -hmm. I feel for him a lot more than I did when I was a teen so I would say this is like a middle book for me this is maybe like my number four or number five book it's definitely not my favorite definitely I think like this is the thing that we're finding like going back and through doing this like thorough rereading is that like we're kind of shuffling about like basically anytime I finish a book I'm like this is now my favorite book and then we finish the next one and I'm like this is now my favorite one like it just and like we've already tragically started to prepare like episodes for when we finish all of the books and we're going to do like talking about various things like you know which is our favorite book and like really Mm -hmm. trying to hash it out and it's going to be very very difficult difficult because I definitely think every rereading kind of as an adult makes you realize different things and we've talked a lot especially in the most recent chapters about like essentially Harry's like different trauma responses throughout this book and that right on the surface you're just like Harry you're being a whiny little piece of shit and then actually like you're like (laughs) It's maybe valid. Yeah, right. maybe some trauma. Um, and then the last question we have to ask guests is, what are we all drinking this episode? Oh. We are drinking cider. And I want to talk about this specifically because here's okay. the thing. Kim, my co-host from Fanatical Fix, was on this podcast like over a year ago. She was and indeed. She also picked cider, and I had I did not remember that that had happened that way. I <laughs> promise. We just both picked cider without planning that at all. And that's very I would cute. also like to point out that I am drinking a cider currently called Gay Hard Cider. <laughs> Can I see the bottle of this? That's gay. yeah, incredible hard cider yeah i've also gone for a slightly different cider my mum got me this for christmas my mom likes to get me random alcohols for christmas now nice. because of the podcast so this is a copperberg but it is a spiced apple cider Ooh. with cinnamon Ooh, that sounds yum yeah it's actually really nice it says it can be enjoyed warm or chilled so i've obviously gone for chilled but yeah it's quite christmasy i like it do you guys have copperberg in the u.s no we do not ah so over here we have copperberg and also record lig which are basically the same thing and i think they're both swedish aren't they hannah are they both swedish i believe so or nord dick in some way yes yeah but they basically do like all these like amazing 
flavoured cider and they're just, I don't know, they're just a, a basic here. I discovered recently that Americans call it hard cider because cider is spiced apple juice and it doesn't yes. have alcohol in and I'm wildly yes. confused. Yes, that is That's true. Crazy. That is true. Yeah. There's so not what, what, what is non-hard cider? Like, I only discovered this from Grey's Anatomy because the teetotal man says he drinks cider and I had to Google it because I was like, what are you talking about? You're teetotal. <laughs> Why are you drinking cider? Yeah, it's just um warm apple juice with cinnamon in it basically Mm. basically that's bizarre i know okay so here's the thing is i just said that out loud with my mouth and i know that i am gonna get tweeted at by like 12 separate people being like um (laughs) that's not what cider is in the south because you know fucking the usa is so huge that it is different everywhere else so like here in utah where i live where everything is just like kind of awful that is what it is um <laughs> and you you drink it in the fall like if you're gonna go be in a corn maze or something i'm now really worried about americans that come to the uk and just order for themselves all their oh. kids cider in pubs without realizing that all cider here is alcoholic yeah and now i think that needs to be a sitcom episode yeah yeah Especially depending where they go, because there's this one place in Bristol, anyone that went to uni in Bristol will know this, which is like the dirtiest hive of a pub you've ever seen. And they serve like cider in like these little plastic cups and the Mm -hmm. entire place is sticky and the toilets are horrifying and it is like the strongest percentage cider you've ever had like one small plastic cup will get you absolutely wasted and now i'm just picturing like an american walking into this pub and just being like oh yes can i have some cider for my child please and then that (laughs) child just being like then their child dies (laughs) yeah (laughs) basically when Um, the last time i was in the uk i the only thing that i was like disappointed about was that biscuits are cookies and there isn't like an actual like American Southern biscuit because that's kind of my favorite thing in the world even though um I'm gluten intolerant they make me really sick I eat them anyway whatever (laughs) but yeah I was disappointed I went to McDonald's and I couldn't have like a biscuit with some egg and cheese on it yeah because like biscuits for you are like like a bready kind of thing right they're yeah. like a scone. They're right? like a scone. They're, They're like just... a scone, but fluffier. That's just I weird. But like the thing is, because we have last we year. have cookies, which are like cookies, but we just also have biscuits. And biscuits and cookies are different. But you just have like biscuits and mm. yeah, biscuit it's weird. Words. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shall we talk about Harry Potter? If we get to it, yeah. For the <laughs> listeners, we are currently on hour and twenty minutes of this Skype call, in which we've not managed to <laughs> talk about Harry Potter. So, um, yeah, very quickly to finish off, um, I'm drinking Copperberg. Oh, yeah, sorry. Hannah can predict what I'm drinking. I'm drinking the strawberry and lime Copperberg because uh, it's my uh, absolute favorite. It it makes me piss every five seconds, but I love it. Like not the pissing the drink. <laughs> Speaking of Harry Potter, I do have something to say very quickly. Um, I did, for some reason, put this recording on my calendar on the 23rd of January, got hammered in the middle of the day, realized that it was not the recording day, um, and so then was just hammered midday for no specific Wait, reason. You, you thought we were going to call you later in the day. You actually thought that that was the recording day. Yes. Oh, so I'm so I got sorry. Drunk. It's fine. I was. You should have just called us. You should have just been like, "Can I ring you?" 
Oh my god. So I I will put a disclaimer on this episode being that I read these chapters before the 23rd of January, which was a couple of weeks ago, and I don't really remember them, but I have these notes and I am drunk, <laughs> so here we go. Okay, chapter 14, Percy and Padfoot. So it's the next morning after the chapters we just read, and I'd like to point out that at this point in the book, we have read so many words, and it has only been one week of term. This book is so <laughs> oh, long. Shit. Would someone shut up about the lessons? Oh my Ooh, god. That's why it took three fucking years to write or whatever <laughs> yeah and like I, I i love the fucking world building i do like i do but also not when but she I'm needed writing an notes. editor in this yeah book. she did oh she really Christ. did <laughs> like oh. so harry is first down to the common room and he starts to write a letter he needs to tell sirius a load of stuff he wants to say his scar hurts he wants to ask where hagrid is he wants to say that umbridge is a cow but he needs to not actually say any of that and the letter is actually incredibly clever for harry i was like what <laughs> harry is intelligent what <laughs> this isn't normal I for know, our commentary <laughs> i was just like i don't know how i would write this letter and then I read Harry's and I was like this all seems obvious now but like I I would not be good at writing Mm. in code like and I think part of that is because I just don't give a fuck um so I just say things anyway (laughs) and that would be very very bad if I was part of some secret organization or a spy or something like imagine if I was a spy and I was trying to like report back to the government and I was just like I don't give a fuck (laughs) (laughs) it would be bad i like how harry is like wow i finally realized how hard it was for my friends to write to me over the summer and you're like no (laughs) fucking shit harry yeah he's like yeah and he's now and he doesn't then think that and he's like I should apologise to them. Or I should say that, no, I'm just going to (laughs) think it and move on. Because people just so rarely exist outside of Harry. Like, we do in this book start to get Harry for the first time actually being like, hmm, other people exist and they might have feelings. But like, then he just goes, (laughs) any any slight character development he gets, he then just immediately undoes. And he's just like vaguely aware that people outside of him exist, but not enough to Mm -hmm. like kind of actually really think about how his behavior affects them it's like we really have like the duality of harry potter where he's just like i'm gonna be an asshole to people and not consider their feelings or like at all think about the fact that they exist and then he's also just like these people are dying because of me and it's like no they're dying because of voldemort you self-centered asshole like speaking of harry's issues in his letter to sirius who is his favorite person in the world godfather wow amazing harry just signs off with best harry instead of i don't know love love from hopefully see you soon hope you're safe i don't i sign off I also, sign off with a kinder reply to my colleagues at work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. And like as well, can we like please factor in the fact that like Sirius is a man with like ex- ex- extensive mental health issues who is locked mm. inside a house by himself with limited social contact, which hmm relatable. And he we know <laughs> that he's having a really hard time with it. And like and we know that like he was kind of really disappointed to see Harry go. And Harry's just like, here's a letter of all of my problems. Bye. Like, just how about how are you serious? What What's going down with you? How, how's Buckbeak? Like, how's, have, have you done anything interesting? Like, fuck off, Harry. Yeah, he could have at least written him like a nice, I don't know, 
novel to read or a yeah or anything he's just he's literally like this is what's going on with me will you please solve my problem problem. which yeah to be fair Sirius does like to solve Harry's problems but it's mainly because he does not have anything else to do yeah (laughs) and like I'm sure that like Sirius is someone that's clearly very nostalgic for his time at Hogwarts because he I mean he left Hogwarts and then he spent 12 years in Ask Bam, what else is he going to be nostalgic for? But I'm sure that, like, mm-hmm. he would have loved to hear Harry being like, oh, we're, like, making up our dreams to tell Trelawney because, like, mm-hmm. I I don't know what else to say, you know? Like, all that kind of hijinks. Yeah. Or, and then like, even to sign off being like, this. how are you, serious? <laughs> Not just, like, yeah. so serious. I'm only thing. writing to you because I need information from you. This is the information I need by. Come on, dude. So, <laughs> So Harry then heads up to the Alry with this love-filled letter, um, avoiding peeves along the way. And he verbally explains to Hegdwig that snuffles on the front of the letter means serious. <laughs> Just, Yo, what do these owls understand, man? What, we what's going on never with the owls? <laughs> get any real explanation to the owls or how they work or what their magic is or blah, blah, blah. Because... I do think there's a pretty solid, like, uh, canonical basis for owls understand human speak. But, like, why or how or why don't the owls speak human speak? I bet they could do that. But also, if you don't, if you don't human speak the name on the front of the letter, does that also mean they can read? Read. These owls can read because Harry literally says, I know it says Snuffles as if, <laughs> as if Hedwig would go, Snuffles, who's that? Oh my God, help. <laughs> so are we assuming that owls aren't just like an Asian woman trapped in the body of an owl? Is that what we're saying? Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you for having me on Goblet of Wine. I will be leaving now. enchanted in some type of way okay so here's the other thing is like (laughs) owls are enchanted in some type of way to be subservient to wizards they are enchanted to be like hey Hedwig you belonged Harry now you are his property because he bought you and you are to obey his every command such as this is to go to Sirius, not to Snuffles. But we are also to understand in that same universe that owls can talk and read. So why haven't they taken over the world? Exactly. <laughs> why the haven't they owl overthrown revolution? their wizard masters? Eat the wizards. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. eat the wizards. It's not eat the rich, eat the it's eat the wizards. Exactly. Yes. Justice for Hedwig. <laughs> It's also just like how, like, it, it, it's like the same thing as a few books ago when it's just like, they don't know where Sirius is, but Hedwig does. Like, how? Just explain Why this. Wouldn't... You need to put one sentence in there to explain the context of how they know. Like, oh. exactly. Yeah. Why wouldn't Voldemort just send a letter? Why wouldn't Voldemort just be like, or not Voldemort. What am I talking about? I'm drunk. The ministry. <laughs> Why wouldn't the ministry just be like, hey, this letter is to Sirius Black, to any bird, I guess, and mm. have it send it to Sirius Black and have somebody follow it. Like, there's no re- logic there. 
I really thought that you were going to be like, why can't they just write a letter to Sirius being like, please, can you turn yourself in? Pretty please. Thank you. Like, <laughs> can you come back? You're making us look bad. <laughs> please. <sighs> so as Harry looks outside, he sees the skeletal horse flying mm-hmm. above the forest again what we know as the Thestral and then Cho comes into the gallery being like it's yes. my mum's birthday I forgot her present and then they have the driest conversation I've ever had the misfortune oh of reading in the text they're like <laughs> oh the weather's nice we were talking oh, about this Quidditch weather. I cannot believe that Harry brings up the fucking weather it's very British I often bring up the weather with my colleagues oh no I, just, I do do you not is that actually a thing no (laughs) oh my god i start every monday meeting like yeah yeah i'm feeling okay it's a nice day today or yeah no it's raining so i don't feel that great (laughs) or no no no. what i do is it's always oh like how are you how's your weekend oh yeah it was nice thanks yeah i'm really tired and just that (laughs) i just always constantly have to tell people that i'm tired and that's the only way it's like either i'm tired or i'm hungry and those are like the two conversation starters like it's terrible i I just don't know how to socialize with people and it's getting worse um (laughs) yeah but like honestly like i feel like what's quite like serendipitous is the fact that like the last time we were all talking we were talking about the film Four Weddings and a Funeral where the two main characters have absolutely no chemistry and you just don't understand why either of them like each other and now we're talking Mm -hmm. about Harry and Cho which is the same fucking thing like no chemistry no nothing I don't get why they get this conversation somehow gets to Cedric just like quickly too it's not like they have an extended conversation that eventually leads to cedric it's like sentence 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 cedric cedric yeah that's how all their conversations go all of them and then harry at the end of the scene is like oh that conversation went quite well did it did it (laughs) her dead ex-boyfriend came up again again cedric is the dead elephant in the room like just always comes up like i feel like it's probably pretty hard for them though to like look at each other and not think about cedric which was why it's always really perverse that they ended up dating because yeah cho clearly had some issues to work through with a therapist but those were not available so instead she put her feelings into harry and that Went badly because Harry has no emotional capacity of how to deal with other people's feelings. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Here's the thing, though, is alternatively, they were both in love with Cedric. Um, and so, do you see where I'm going here? And see where I'm going here? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. they have to, they feel the need to talk about him in each other's presence because they just want someone else who understands how it feels to lose the man that you love. I like that. I've just been re-listening to the last book on audio tape, as I said last um, episode, because it's the 90s. Cassette. There was like full on a line in it where I was like, I already knew that Harry was bi, but this confirms, like, I just, I just refuse any other reading than Harry is bi. Like, the entire way that he is with Draco or Sirius or, yeah, like, Cedric, like, and also, like, at least Cedric from, like, the casting in the films, you're just like, yeah, like, I, you would, you know? Like, yeah. See, here's the thing. Harry is canonically bi. Obviously. 112%. I, yes. You know, she who must not be named or the author that was or whatever definitely did not do that on purpose. But he is by 
he yep. was absolutely mm-hmm. into Cedric, which yep. does not like he was into Cedric. He was into Cho. So it's like really doubly like a Painful double hitter that they ended up together. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. I just feel like I feel like it's weird because there was like that attraction there established in the text before he died with the whole like her being genuinely sorry that like they wouldn't be able to go to the Yule Ball right. together. And then and then it's like then it's the like trying afterwards where you're just like i get that they're young and they don't know better but you're just like surely you guys can see that this is never gonna end well and also surely you guys can see that you have no chemistry together just like just give it up just be friends just work through it together like recommend each other your therapist because you definitely need them like (laughs) just be like platonic with each other and like i understand that like they both kind of want answers and that maybe they kind of project that onto the other person but it's just like big yikes and this is why hogwarts just needs therapists yeah that's why the ministry of magic needs to stop cutting funding to education (laughs) so that they can get a therapist that's at hogwarts constantly because people are always a full-time one yeah Yeah. they need a full-time therapist absolutely filch walks in and he has had a tip off that harry is ordering dung bombs so what's clearly happened is he's been told to stop harry whenever he goes to the owlery by umbridge and umbridge has said he's going to the owlery because he's ordering dung bombs and it's just a really pathetic way to try to get harry's mail it's just like did you really think that that would work really did you it's also just like later on we have established that they like can kind of stop owls in the middle of the air basically that they somehow they capture owls to like read the mail and then it's just like why is this why it's short just do that like why are you getting filch to like waste his time on this like weird dung bomb shenanigans oh it's just really weird it also implies that the whole fudge putting umbrage into hogwarts thing like yes he does want to see what's going on at hogwarts but part of it is to just have someone there who's on the ministry's side to intercept harry's letters like this is clearly an instruction from fudge like we know he's in contact with sirius and you need to find that out like that's clearly another motive that umbrage has so Cho then stands up for Harry, which is actually a kind of nice moment, says she saw him send the parcel. So it's already gone. Harry is completely over the moon at being able to t- talk to Cho what he calls normally. Sure, this Ooh. seems like a very good normal conversation. Rough, Harry. Mm. And then he goes down to breakfast. Just Harry does have no personality. Like he's sassy and I love uh-huh. when he's sassy. But aside from that, he literally has no personality. Like if he's not being uh, rude he loves about Quidditch. Yeah, no, sport is not a personality. In fact, like, I would say that, like, a particularly passionate love of sport is often in place of personality. I'm aware that saying this is someone that entirely uses dyeing their hair and Harry Potter as their personality, I'm being a hypocrite. I'm not saying I have a personality. I'm saying that Harry definitely doesn't. Um, maybe, none, maybe none of us have personalities. But also just in general, like, white men aren't interesting. Um... <laughs> Got him. Yeah. See, here's the thing about Harry is that if I think that his love for Cho comes from this love of sport, right? Yeah. Cho is also a seeker. So he's into Cho because she's also a seeker. And all his personality is, is to be angsty about being the chosen one and Quidditch. So he can only see Cho... Uh, you know, in this, uh, in this, uh, whatever. Yeah, he, she was literally the only female seeker out of the four seekers mm-hmm. in the house 
teams. Yeah. And he was like, I love her. She is perfect. She right. is my dream person because I can only admit that I like women. I do also like men, but I haven't got to the point where right. I'm admitting he can't, that. Yeah. 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 And here's the thing is I gotta say this because I feel like I can feel my co-host Kim's eyes just sort of boring <laughs> into the back of my head right now. But <laughs> one of her favorite and starting to become my favorite ships is actually the Seeker Square. It is the polycule of all of the Seekers from all of the houses. So you've got Cedric, right? Cedric. Yep. Cedric. Cho. Cho. Harry. And Draco. And Draco. Yeah. And Draco. They are are our Seeker Square ultimate polycule. I'm sorry I had to bring it up. Her eyes were boring into the back of my head. (laughs) I now need to read some fan fictions Mm. on that. It sounds (laughs) like an intriguing hot mess and I'm here for it. I also, so going back to the Harry and his love of Seekers things, it's quite interesting because doesn't he only really realise that he's into Ginny like when she starts a cover hit for him in Quidditch and she's the Seeker? Yes! A little bit, yeah. Maybe he just loves himself. No, he doesn't really realise he likes her, but he mentions playing a lot of Quidditch with her at the burrow when he's kind of like, and I Mm. like the smell of someone's perfume. Right, so, and yeah, then it's all he Quidditch. doesn't notice the 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 roaring monster in his chest or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, until she's making out with some other dude in his line of sight. But yeah. I mean, mm. at this point, we can assume that Harry's personality is based on maybe two to three things, and one of those things is Quidditch. So Cho is obviously his, literally his only option. Yes. Yeah. So he heads down to breakfast and. They're reading the Daily Prophet, which says that the ministry received a tip off that Sirius is in London. They kind of are like, oh, no, that's bad. It was probably Draco uh, or Lucius. And then they also spot an article that Sturgis Podmore, who is a member of the order, was caught trespassing on ministry property, trying to get through a protected door and is now having to serve six months in Azkaban. So this is the the classic start of when we're, I say near the beginning of the book, we're a third of the way through the book. But J.K. Rowling is now peppering in these tiny things where you're like, that seems random. That's seems mm. random and then at the end they all fit together which i right. do love it's like it's we've talked about this before her method of writing fiction is very very heavily inspired by how people write crime novels yes like the way she pieces information in and that works so well like it just works yeah every every book is a mystery novel and it's more it's more obvious in the first couple of books obviously and then as she sort of grows as a writer it becomes less obvious but every single one is a mystery book yeah which makes sense why she's now gone into writing kind of crime novels it is kind of an obvious step from the way she writes fiction so we've got this little peppering in and the trio kind of discuss what could have happened they even theorize that maybe he was tricked into going and it's all a ministry setup which is quite a good theory from them yeah the boys head down to practice quidditch earlier than the team practice which leaves hermione very annoyed because she was willing to help them with their homework but as they're going down to quidditch she says she cut they can't copy her which is fair enough and the only reason they pass your exams anyway is because you help them so much hermione so it is actually a wonder that any of them learned anything at hogwarts I know that they got any sort of education. (laughs) So in the afternoon, the real practice starts and a load of Slytherins are there to heckle them. And this is where we get a section which I knew was coming up the whole time 
since we started this podcast and is one of the most interesting and weird sections that comes up in the books. So Pansy Parkinson shouts that Alina, Angelina Johnson's hair, which is braided, looks like worms. Racist. Racist. <sighs> racist. Yes. Racist. But it's one of the... Uh, so this is just racism, but it's one of the only instances of real racism mm. that are that is in the books which therefore implies that racism exists in the wizarding world which until this point although race has been an analogy race there is lots of analogies for race we haven't had confirmation that racism as we know it in the muggle world exists in the wizarding world Mm. so then we have this very odd thing where jk rowling is writing a story where there is lots of allegories for race which we've talked about get messy Mm -hmm. but also racism exists and is it implying that therefore these pure blood slytherins are all white and also this kind of thing never comes up again so i'm just like what the yeah what the hell yeah i mean my instinct with the idea that like the author is who the author is is that Mm. this particular point of racism is actually uh unintentional as in she didn't realize it was racist when she wrote it yes yeah, I, yes. I have a similar opinion where I do think she knew it was racist. However, I think that including it in the text in itself is racist because she's not an author that has particularly used these books to tackle race in a decent way. Obviously, she does it in a kind of like really like icky kind of metaphor. But in terms of anything mm. else, like race does not come up. Sexuality does not come up. Like so many of these things doesn't come up in a way outside of these kind of like really icky metaphors for like magical creatures and i think that like she entirely does not do enough in the text to tackle issues of race you know a good thing knowing what we know about her now obviously she's not exactly someone that i want to do that but i think that when you don't have like a book or a series of books that's doing enough to kind of have that conversation about race to then throw this line in there just comes across as racist. Like, it's not like she spent enough time really clearly being like, this is wrong and this is bad. She just throws this in that this in there. And yeah, like, it's a not great character that's saying it. But like, uh, it just gives me the icks, basically. Like, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think unless that you've, you've made these conversations about race like this really like open reoccurring thing in your books that you can then just throw this kind of line in there and have it just be like assumed that it's a bad thing i don't know if that makes sense but yeah i mean i am more inclined to believe that she did not understand the inherent racism behind it i think that it has been relatively recently that we as a society have begun to understand the inherent racism about the hairstyles of black Mm. women so i think that this in in its in context to me feels like she did not understand that this was racist she understood that it was rude Rude, because she has a Mm. bad character saying it to a good character so she understands it's an insult that's a good point, actually. I think, like, I'm reading this kind of thinking with the the modern day standpoint, but this was written in the, like, 
early 2000s yes. and I think yes. that definitely I mean at the end of the day like she's a middle class white woman yeah I think that's a really good point that actually maybe she wouldn't have because to me reading this now with the conversations that we have in the internet the access to internet that we have I kind of read this mm-hmm. as how could you not know that this is a racialized thing but actually when you think about when this was written and who this was written by like actually yeah that's really valid I guess that maybe she wouldn't have known that this is, is like a racist thing that's a good yeah. point and it's also just like a shocking line to have in your book that well we now read it as a shocking line to have in your book when it's a throwaway comment that never gets tackled again like as far as we view harry potter although we are introduced to it through the muggle world what we see from hogwarts itself can be viewed as almost almost if we ignore the writer like post-racial there are never any issues of racism as pure racism within hogwarts apart from this but yeah i'd never really considered the fact that it's jk rowling herself (laughs) not realizing it's racist which makes Mm. a lot of sense right so then they kind of carry on the warm-up with all this heckling and ron keeps dropping the quaffle he's really not doing the best job because he gets really flustered when people (sighs) heckle him and antagonize him and fred and george are really helping and then he manages to throw the ball to Katie Bell and essentially like smash her nose. And it's Ugh. just a bad day for Ron. It's not a good so day. Bad. He's so, f- here's the thing about Ron is he's so fragile. Like I he know. just, he really needs affirmation, which I don't think is inherently a bad thing or anything like that. Mm. But like he does need someone to tell him that he's doing a good job. And I think that Harry knows that, but Fred and George are inherently bad at that thing they just like everything in their world is a joke and it can be fun sometimes and sometimes it's actively not fun and i think this is one of the very few instances in the book when we are shown that like fred and george's whole shtick where everything is a joke is not always good for the people around them yeah we were kind of saying in the last episode that like we as the readers find everything fred and george do funny but you begin to see the consequences of it in ron's personality in this Mm -hmm. book and he's been really affected by it Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think and this is just me i come from a quidditch background as a person i have done a lot of muggle quidditch stuff i was a referee for six years and from that standpoint i think it is highly not okay that the slytherins are able to go watch a practice yeah that's just what i was thinking as well because like not only are they heckling them but they shouldn't be able to watch because they can look at their tactics which should be private like where nothing in hogwarts is controlled i and they literally <sighs> once, like, th- thought that Colin Creevy was a Slytherin spy. <laughs> and so clearly Slytherins aren't allowed to be there. But then today they're all there. I don't understand. Exactly. And they should not be able to, like, be able to go see the plays that Gryffindor might use against them. And it just feels like another instance where, you know, she decided to write a sport, even though she doesn't know anything about sports. She and knows so little. <laughs> I will with my full chest claim to be both a person who does not like sports and a person who (laughs) will like vehemently defend sports so (laughs) yeah it makes no sense so the practice kind of has to end katie has a really bad nosebleed it doesn't end well everyone's in a bad mood and the next day sunday ron and harry have to spend the whole day doing homework and they are very 
salty about the whole thing, even though it's their fault. And everyone else is outside enjoying the sunshine and they literally have to spend the entire day doing their homework. Also, I'm glad Charlie is back because there is a little mention in there, which is something you were hoping for at the end of one of the last chapters we read, that Hermione is knitting and chatting to Ginny. She's got a knitting buddy. I'm so happy. So at the end of the last chapter, basically, she invites Harry to knit with her. She's like, oh, it's it's actually really fun. Like, I've I've learned a few different patterns and I can do bobbles. And Harry's like, yeah, I'm okay." And like I was basically (laughs) saying, like Hermione needs like a female friend for this kind of stuff. It's not like, oh, like you can only knit if you're a girl. It's just that Harry and Ron are two very unprogressive teenage boys. Like, yeah. It just breaks my heart that like Hermione has these moments where she needs that female friendship and we talk about this a lot and we've talked about it a lot this book because this is a book where she finally starts to talk more with Ginny and I think that it's good for both Hermione and Ginny who have been a little bit of those like kind of like pick me like oh like I'm friends with guys I just get along with guys more kind of thing and I think that like (laughs) it's it's really good for the both of them to suddenly get this strong, very genuine, like, female friendship with each other. Because, like, yeah. neither of them really seem to have that more. Like, we obviously know that Ginny is quite popular. And we've talked about this before. We actually talked about it in the episode with the wizard team. How, like, Ginny's friendships of four maybe seem, like, maybe potentially a little bit questionable. And we actually see a load of character development from Ginny in this book after she starts to socialise more with, like harry and ron and hermione and that it it helps her kind of become a bit of like a nicer person so i think that like i just love hermione and Ginny's friendship because i think that they both needed that female friend and that more like potentially genuine form of friendship yeah not only that but Ginny went through a lot of trauma like capital capital t trauma and hermione is one of the people who understands that like exactly what she went through it's not like she's running around telling people like i had a diary tom riddle is voldemort he was in the diary like like people don't Mm -hmm. know that they know that something happened that maybe they even know that Ginny almost died down there but they don't know the lead up and they don't know exactly what happened to her and Hermione does and that's probably a really good friendship for her to make a hundred percent like I love their developing friendship and I we've talked about before how it feels kind of slow to develop and we don't see that much of it more because Harry as a narrator is unobservant than that it's not (laughs) happening because then we get hints in book six when Ginny yells at Ron that Hermione kissed Crumb we therefore know textually that they became close friends in book four because Hermione the only person she told that she kissed Crumb was Ginny so like Mm. it's just always been in the background I like to think that she did tell Harry but Harry just was not paying attention (laughs) like (laughs) Harry had known the whole time he was thinking about crumb or something or he was thinking about show and cedric and cedric together exactly (laughs) like he just he's like that's nice and just like is a million miles away like yeah thinking about like sirius's abs or something like (laughs) Mm, those abs (laughs) so when owl arrives it's much much later now in the common room most people have gone to bed and an owl arrives with a letter from percy he's congratulating ron for becoming a prefect and then advises against fraternization with harry as if harry isn't basically a weasley and percy doesn't know this and that they aren't the closest friends and just casual friends with harry 
And then he shit talks Harry no end in this letter. He's just like, he is dangerous. He is unbalanced. He is violent and tells him to speak to Umbridge and make friends with Umbridge. And calls her a delightful woman. She's a delightful woman. Big ooh. I just, it's such a wild assumption to me. Just like, Ron didn't ask to be made prefect. And even if he had, just because if he wanted to be prefect does not suddenly mean that actually he's had a complete U-turn of personality and is the next Percy. Like, it's such a weird thing for Percy to be like, my brother is a prefect. Therefore, he now must be super ambitious and he will want to drop his best friend of so many years and... I think he thinks he's doing a good thing. I think in Percy's head, he's like, Fred and George are too late to be saved. But (laughs) I, as the only right person in the family, can save this one last child. Forget Ginny, she's a woman. Shut up about her. I can save this one last child. I can be the person to turn it. Because Percy thinks he's right. And I think he thinks his family are going to get killed or arrested. Right. I had real trouble reading this letter. Like, it was very actually actively anxiety-inducing for me. As a person who lives in the United States, who has relatives who were like, you know what, Donald Trump is going to save this country, and, like, you should really... You know, like, people who are, like, really susceptible to misinformation. Yeah. And it was viscerally anxiety inducing for me to read this letter because Percy who is outwardly you think like a very smart person he's really full of himself but he's actively very smart you know and very ambitious and somebody who like is not inherently a bad person is so 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 susceptible to this kind of misinformation is uh scary yeah, it's it is really scary. We had a lot of conversations about this actually in like the earlier books and I think that it's worth kind of spinning back on now is that like Hermione and Percy start off in the same place where they're two mm-hmm. quite similar people who have this over-reliance on authority figures and like the written word. And we see Hermione really go through this journey of actually learning that like just because something comes from an authority figure or just because something's written in a book does not mean that it is the truth. And we kind of yeah. see that Hermione actually gets his development and Percy is kind of like the alternate reality of Hermione that doesn't learn this lesson. And he yeah. never learns that actually just because it's an authority figure or just because it's written down doesn't mean that it's actually the truth. And it's really interesting to see these two characters start in the same place and just completely have different journeys. Yeah, because they started off as actually, I would call them almost friends. Like they got along, but... And Percy is an intelligent person, but in the way he cannot think for himself, he doesn't have that level of independent thought that Hermione has very clearly developed in this Mm -hmm. book. I think that level of independent thought is the only thing that separates him from being a Slytherin. Like, he has Mm. very high Slytherin tendencies, but Slytherins Mm. are a little bit more cunning than that, right? They've got a little bit more wherewithal about them to be like, I am going to make my own decisions, whether that decision be bad or whether that decision be good. It's their own decision that they're going to make, and Percy is more of a follower than that. Uh, I've always been like very curious as to Percy's like Slytherin versus Gryffindor personality traits, but I mm. think that we see here in this letter that he's a little bit more of a follower than he would need to be to be a Slytherin. 
100%. Yeah, I still yeah. have a hard time seeing him in Gryffindor over Ravenclaw. I kind mm. of feel like the sorting hat got a bit bored and it just started to go like, oh, you're a Weasley. Yeah, you're a Gryffindor. Like Gryffindor. It, it stopped actually like paying attention. It was like, oh, brilliant. This one's ginger. I can have a nap. Like, And actually... <laughs> didn't really look into it because like i i just i mean we we've talked a lot about how flawed the house system hit system is in general but like yeah. i just fail to see much particular bravery in Percy unless you in would Percy. consider turning your back on your entire family as brave which i, I guess but... i think he thinks it's brave he considers that brave you've mm. got to imagine like percy is really convinced he's in the right like I guess, yeah, like bravery yeah. is subjective. Like if you believe what you're doing is correct, then you're still being brave by doing it, even if actually it's yeah. stupidity. Yeah. Right. But Percy always like, and this is another moment where I'll point out that maybe Fred and George being kind of dicks is like not always a cool, a cool move on their part, you know? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. being a dick to Percy for like wanting more than to than to live in the kind of situation in which they live is not always a good thing. It drives that, it can drive that person away from you and Mm -hmm. drive that person to believe that they are outside already. Like Percy has to already at this point, believe that he is outside of the family in order Mm. to make this step to distance himself, himself from them. Yeah. So Ron rips up the letter in a rage after he lets, Harry and Hermione read it. Ron and- needs to chill also. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be, no, I would be so <laughs> mad if my brother was saying that about like my best friend, like not just best friend. Harry is part of the family and like has literally spent summers with Percy. And oh, there's this really cute moment. I'm, I'm like counting the moments where Ron and Hermione have the little hints of something starting. Mm. So Harry describes Hermione as looking at Ron with an odd expression on her face. And I think what Harry isn't understanding in Hermione's expression is admiration. I don't think he is used to seeing that on her face. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's, she's looking at it weirdly. And Hermione's actually like, wow, this guy, he's ripping up that letter. <laughs> Uh, I I, I just it. think that you just ship it and you just see it anywhere. You're just like writing I it. I, I don't care. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. I like it. I like maybe. it. Or maybe she's looking at Ron with like a, a sort of loving crush sort of a scenario. And maybe Harry's not used to seeing like an actual crush on people's faces. <laughs> He's like, what's that look? Lust? No. But you two can talk to each other and therefore you can't. It literally, (laughs) it genuinely reminds me of like your year seven relationship. So she definitely (laughs) is feeling something. Hermione definitely felt something because she relents and agrees to look over their essays and then like, write the conclusions for them and i feel like this is hermione just not expressing the way she's feeling the best like whatever she Mm. is feeling towards ron and harry in this moment like oh harry i'm sorry that happened to you oh ron your brother's a dick she's just like i'll look over your essays her love language is homework yay (laughs) it's also just like it's it's not even like i don't know like they still have loads to write and then she's like oh we'll look over it and it's like but their issue wasn't not knowing it was the fact that they still had loads to write. So I'm like, is this J.K. Rowling's way of saying that basically they she wrote the end of the essays for them? I feel like it's basically implied that she just writes the rest of the essay for them. Absolutely. 
absolutely she does. And yes, I, she does. And it's implied that she's done this several times. And yep. I will bring back up my point. How did Harry and Ron learn anything at Hogwarts? It's incredible <laughs> that they became any kind of functioning adults. <laughs> they just didn't. And like, this is like an issue that I have with the books that I've talked about a bit is that like, it seems like there's a massive gap. Like, obviously we don't see their final year at Hogwarts but it seems like you cannot learn like it seems like when they leave in sixth year there is a huge amount that they don't know that all of these like the adult level wizards that they know do know so much so that I I don't believe that you can learn this in a year and it just honestly I'm like I've always had an issue with it because I'm like I refuse to believe that just by not doing their final year that they don't learn all of this information that all of these adult wizards seem to know but maybe actually it's just that they would have learned that but they haven't listened and they haven't done their homework maybe that's why it seems like there's such a gap between like wizards that are almost done with school and those that are done with school is that it's not just actually the wizards fault it's it's literally just Ron and Harry I mean, I think there's also an argument that we never come across many wizards who are fresh out of Hogwarts. Most of the adults we have access to are parent age adults. And when you think of the amount of knowledge you gain whilst working in a career and skills you gain whilst working in a career compared to what you left school with, it's incredibly high. Like, yeah, when I left school, I could have told you some stuff about history and analyzed uh, the great Gatsby for you but I couldn't have done some SEO built a digital marketing yeah but what is that what is that 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 like I I don't know you've lost words you're not speaking you're just making sounds at me Charlie has lost words at this point I think I just what's going on at this point is that Harry and Ron have actually once they are done done with school in big quotation marks once they decide not to go back to school they have had life experiences that most like that no other wizards have had right yeah and they are given the things that they get once they are done with school heavy quotation marks they never finished school because they have these life experiences that no other wizard has had and that doesn't necessarily make them better at magic it just makes them better at life skills and i think that life skills are pretty important uh but also if you're gonna be an r and or run the r department you should probably finish high school yes they really should have gone back (laughs) but like there's there's a lot of things it's like a lot of the magic that molly weasley knows we don't ever like kind of refer to them getting taught and that actually they seem to react to it or at least harry does where is the hogwarts home ec class exactly (laughs) it's not like you ever learn how to cook or do the washing up or write a grocery list in school no but you you don't need to be taught that stuff and we did have food tech but also like things like like Sirius knows about the wand connection thing what's that called Priori and Cantata. Sirius knows about that, but like Sirius only ever really did like his final year of school and then had like a couple of years fighting at war. Like, I don't know. It just seems like there's a lot of information right. that they don't learn in Hogwarts that they le- then apparently learn afterwards. But 
I'm yeah. all about wizarding education reform, man. Mm-hmm. Turn the whole thing around. The whole yeah. thing is madness. Stop learning how to turn raccoons into birds because I don't think you're ever going to use that <laughs> and start learning some actual useful skills. <laughs> yeah, it's like how we're not taught how to do our taxes, but we're taught... Pythagoras' theorem. I honestly don't remember what you're taught in school. Fractions. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It was a really long time ago, honestly. Yeah. I can't remember what happened to me like a week ago. <laughs> no, a day ago. So then, just to finish this chapter off, because, oh my God, a lot happens in it, Harry sees Sirius's head in the fire and he's here to reply to Harry's letter. He's just taking the risk. He's just popping into the fire. So... He says that Umbridge probably isn't a Death Eater, that it was a coincidence, that jab of pain that Harry had in his scar, but that she is a horrible person and she actually drafted new legislation that means that werewolves basically can't get jobs. It's practically impossible at this point. So she's a lovely person. Yeah, I I was honestly, I was fine when she was torturing Harry. I was like, yeah, you know what? Now that Have I'm Have at it. But now that she's cross-looping, I'm like, you know what? I don't like this person. <laughs> Yeah. So Sirius also says that Fudge doesn't want the students trained in combat and thinks that Dumbledore is forming his own army. And yeah, the leader of the government has really gone crazy at this point. Oh my God. (laughs) Imagine having an unstable leader of your government. Like, never heard of it. Can't imagine it. Can't see it. (laughs) Don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Here's the thing is, I wonder what kind of like counterintelligence he had gathered in order to come to this conclusion yeah like where does he it's just all in his head i think he's gone a little bit he's mm. (laughs) he just literally made it all up yeah i think it's quite interesting because it's like we kind of on the surface level we're given the information that fudge is basically just completely in denial but then i think that actually his actions are completely unhinged and it kind of is like he knows the truth but like it's so it, it's that he is in denial but it's kind of put across like he just doesn't believe it i think that he does believe it but he's burying it deep and this is why he starts to act so unhinged is because deep down he knows that voldemort is back and he's yeah. just completely in denial and this is why he goes a bit crazy about like dumbledore and everything because he's just he he knows but he doesn't want to admit it to himself and like me and hannah kind of had a conversation i think today i don't think it was on the podcast i think it was about other things but i was saying like what happens to fudge and and hannah was like oh like you know he gets fired and i'm like no no i know that but after that like what happens to fudge and kind of saying that i would actually have loved to see in the seventh book just anything with fudge like he doesn't necessarily have to have a redemption arc i'm not sure that he deserves that but i would have quite liked to have seen Fudge be one of these people that like Harry and Ron and Hermione just magically bump into in, to, in the woods because they're just constantly running into people in the woods <laughs> with no plausible... Yeah. Apparently there is only one set of woods in There is only the one UK. set of woods. Um, yeah, can it's a you very green country with one wood. one set of woods but like, in England. Yeah, yeah, one. Just <laughs> one big wood. Basically, I would have liked to see like some kind of follow-up from Fudge about like when Fudge did know that he was wrong and maybe Mm. him having a conversation and saying, I'm sorry, I was in denial or how can I make this better or or anything. It doesn't even have to be like a redemption arc because I don't think he deserves that. But I just like, I kind of hate the way that it's just like, and Fudge was proved wrong and he was fired and now he's never mentioned again. And it's like, is there repercussions for everything he did? 
I feel like, oh man, this book, this whole book is touches so close to home on so many fronts, man. And it is a little bit, a little bit tough to read. But at this point, like Fudge, I don't believe that Fudge is creative enough to come up with this whole Dumbledore's army shit by himself, Mm. you know? Like, he's just not smart enough, and he's just not creative enough. There has to have been some bit of information that he manipulated in order to be, like, Dumbledore's whatever, right? So I mean, maybe it's the fact that Harry can do this corporeal Patronus, which was a whole thing in the trial, where he's like, where did Harry learn that? Where are these students learning that? Because maybe he's like, I can't even do that properly. Like, that's a hard spell. So he's learning it from somewhere. Like, maybe it's that. Yeah. But, like, we do also see, like, earlier in this book, like, you know, Harry comes out of his trial and... Lucius Malfoy is immediately there talking to the minister and he already knows what went on in the trial which implies Mm. that either Fudge filled him in suspiciously quickly or that somehow he already knew so maybe it's actually Malfoy on Voldemort's Mm. orders going Fudge hey what what if Dumbledore's doing this don't you think he's doing this like to try and right. get like cause that internal conflict yeah. that we know that Voldemort wants. Mm. It's not past Voldemort to be like, I know a fucking idiot when I see one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. So Sirius then volunteers to come to Hogsmeade as a dog and Harry and Hermione shout him down and Sirius turns into a grumpy little baby and says... Then just goes for the lowest of low blows to finish the phone fire call that he, Harry is less like James than he thought. Which Rude. is like supposed wow. to be this low blow. And it is, but I'm also like, I feel like Sirius thinks this is a lower blow than it is because it's just like, and like, we do know that Harry obviously would take this very personally, but mm. like, yeah, he's not his dad no shit and it's just like Sirius sees this as some like really cutting thing but you're just like this is literally just a statement like you're not like your dad yeah no shit like you're the the blend of two people plus the experiences that you've had right like it's it's just a bit him like stating the obvious and you're like I know that you think you're being really cutting serious and I'm sure that Harry being a little bitch did take this really personally because he has this (laughs) weird fascination with his father but like I I don't know. It's just a bit like, you know, someone said to me like, oh, you're not that much like your dad. I'd be like, cheers. Thanks. (laughs) True. (laughs) Yeah. Serious sort of you could you I imagine him as this man who stopped aging at 20 right Mm -hmm. we think the same so when you're reading this and you're like fucking 15 16 years old or whatever you're like wow fucking rude whatever why are you like this right and then when you read it as an adult you're like wow this man who is 32 33 34 years old is really still 20 years old he never got the opportunity yeah yeah he's giving the same insults he would have given at 20 because he hasn't been afforded the opportunity to grow up mentally yeah and when you're 15 you're like wow 20 is so old and then when you're me and you're 29 (laughs) years old you're like jesus christ that is like a baby that is a literal tiny child that 20 year old and they don't know 
They don't know what's going on. They don't know that their, like, immaturity could cause a real big fucking problem, my dude, you know? Yeah. And that's the end of the chapter. So it's the next morning, and Umbridge is front page of the news, just as Percy said she would be, and that she has been appointed High Inquisitor at Hogwarts in an educational reform, which means this is a new law that's been passed by the ministry so they can inspect the teachers, which we've talked about before, that yes, the teachers should be inspected. Yes, Yes, it should be by an independent person, but would somebody please watch these terrible, terrible teachers? (laughs) Yeah, it's like completely the right thing the wrong, wrong intentions <laughs> like yeah it's like yes please you need some kind of like Educational what's our oversight. thing called ox what's our thing called i just keep thinking Oxfam, and Ofsted. i'm like that's a charity no. offset <laughs> offset like you need that like educational independent board governing yeah. body but like the, just no you can't just have like this would be like if I was about to say if, like, Michael Gove was just, like, getting involved in our education system and then I was just like, no. <laughs> Too real. That already happened and that was disastrous. Um, Remember when he changed all our exam boards, the years we took them and we all failed subjects? Ha, ha, ha. It's funny. Anyway. Um, yeah. Um, anyway. British, niche British humor. <laughs> I'll just okay, whisper but- quietly, no child left behind into the, into the microphone <laughs> for the Americans. <laughs> Um, but th- okay, let's say that that would be like now if it was just like okay, Dominic Cummings is just gonna like suddenly be inspecting every high school in England, like Betsy DeVos. <laughs> <laughs> so they get their marks back for potions. Harry gets a D, and Hermione is that girl, and also that girl is me, who won't stop going on about the homework until the boys tell her their grades. And I was like, oh, she's so annoying. And she is me. Hi. <laughs> you 100% would have been this person. Like, honestly. Yeah, I was. I, I wanted to know everyone's grades. Shut up. <laughs> I love talking about, like, me and Hannah in high school because I just know that without, like, a shadow of a doubt, I would have hated and bullied Hannah so much. This is so like, mean. So you much. horrible to me. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I absolutely would be Ron in this equation where I was like, nah, I did a pretty bad job. Not the worst that you could do, but I did not ace this shit. Yeah, like like, I got very average grades, but I just Mm -hmm. like, I love Hannah dearly. Hannah is my best friend in the world. But oh my God, would I have hated you? Mostly because (laughs) I was a little shit in high school. I was horrible. Like, I was literally the worst human being in the world. Like, I cannot stress that enough. Like, this is on me, not on you. But also, like, that's a really annoying thing to do to try and, No, no, but it's also on me because I was definitely Hermione and being like, I mean, it's a benchmark of la 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 until someone tells me their grades. But, like, would would you at least have been that person to, like, say your grades and do that? Because, like, the worst kind of person was the person that would get, like, a really amazing grade. But they wouldn't want to just say it. So they would just be hinting that everyone else should say their grades so that they could say their grade like that was the oh, worst no. like i always at like, least told people my grades i didn't care. yeah like literally i have one specific girl in mind but like she would get like <laughs> a stars and everything but she wouldn't want to just say it so she would be like oh guys like what did you get like how d- like how did you do blah 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 and until feeling? finally until finally you'd be like what grade did you get sophie <laughs> and she'd be like oh i got an a star that's even her real name i don't care fuck you <laughs> like <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I think you have some trauma from high school that you haven't worked through, Charlie. Who d- 
doesn't. Uh, the grades are wildly named. Oh my god, the naming system of these grades is just in crazy. It's it, a in, lot. In, <laughs> anyway, the one Umbridge that's troll is just like seriously, like like the thing is like it's really annoying because like academic grades should not at all be tied to your self esteem. Like not everyone is an academic person, and like right. the grade that you get, like honestly, like like grades in school are so much more about like your ability to like memorize and retain information than they are like your actual intelligence Mm -hmm. so the idea that if someone like cannot remember like a certain percentage of facts that they then get a grade that literally means that they have the brain of a troll is just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's uh fucking harsh my dude uh yeah i'm glad i'll grades weren't just named like troll (laughs) yeah and like as someone that has like a learning difficulty i'm just like wow i can guarantee i would have gotten like appalling grades like that does not Mm. mean that i yeah yeah. pain um so they head up to divination and umbridge is there it's her first kind of inquisitor lesson that they've seen and she starts questioning trelawney and she keeps doing these interviews throughout this book for the teachers which really should be done in a private office and yeah. the lessons should just be inspecting stop mm-hmm. asking them questions whilst they're teaching because you're not observing their teaching mm-hmm. if you're asking them questions she's awful that she's an no awful sense. person which we all understand and know but i just want to reiterate because yeah right now especially i'm like if you are if you are going to come into an institution of learning and be mm-hmm. as awfully shitty of a teacher as you are and then yep. roll up into somebody else's class and be like teacher like that is some bullshit that i cannot deal with yeah because then yeah. they head to the next defense against the dark arts lesson which oh let's look at the model of a fantastic teacher now she tells them to read chapter two of a book it's yeah. literally like wow. in work situations when someone joins and they're a week into the job they have no idea what they're doing as you shouldn't a week into a new job and then mm-hmm. they start to tell you how to do your job and you're just like can i legally murder this person like (laughs) yes this is what umbridge is doing like she doesn't know how to teach like she's done it for like a few weeks whereas all of these teachers have been been like yeah like all of these teachers have done it for years so many has been there for as many years as harry has been alive yeah exactly and then she's trying to tell her how to do her job and you're just like you what qualifies you to do right and not only that but the the world building is set to make us believe that seers are real and that some of this divination shit is real. So, like, what entitles her to roll up into this space and tell Trelawney that she's not a seer? Like, are you a seer, bitch? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. And, like, are you going to say that her predictions aren't right? Because unless you wait six months or however long for them not to come true, how do you know she's doing it wrong? Exactly. I'm genuinely having a crisis, like, reading through this, realizing more and more that Umbridge is Michael Gove. Like, (laughs) and I don't know how it's taken me this long. But, like, someone wildly unqualified suddenly thinking that they have, like, the knowledge and ability to just reform our education like i'm imagining his face and it's all pale and flabby and creepy and i hate him oh my god he took everything from us (laughs) i'm sorry but harry likes to focus a ridiculous amount on how she looks like a rat or a toad and you're really telling me that that is an umbrage (laughs) if she were male like (laughs) it's just gove so 
Hermione is um, she has become the master of undermining classes in a fantastic way that cannot get her into trouble because mm-hmm. she isn't technically doing anything wrong and I love her yep. so again she isn't reading the book but she's sitting with her hand up in the air because she has already read the whole book I love this this is like so good it's just everyone else is playing checkers and Hermione is playing chess like yes they're just like yes to sit there and think how can I undermine her and then to come to the realization just read the entire book is just the it's genius because it's so simple it's yeah beautiful. but then Umbridge doesn't believe her so asks her an obscure question and Hermione's just like number one I think the answer the answer is this but number two I don't agree with the answer. She oh. is so many levels of intelligence above everyone else in that class. It is kind of disgusting. It's beautiful. And Harry just fucking ruins it for her. That's oh, the thing yeah. is like, I don't, I don't, I do not praise Harry in this moment for like standing up for Hermione or standing nope. up for anything. He is ruining Hermione's beautiful moment. Yeah, she mm-hmm. was doing a really good job because nothing she was doing was wrong or, well, I say could get her into trouble. She got five points taken from her, but right. like Harry then just starts yelling. I'm like, you've undermined a woman's point by yelling over her. Thank you. Right. It's uh, like, yeah, literally like Hermione approaches it with like tactical intelligence like forethought and like planning and then harry is just like i'm gonna yell like what if i yelled (laughs) what if you did all the work and i just screamed over you so everyone thought it was me Um, so harry is literally just like talking louder than her just like great point hermione i'm gonna repeat what you just said but louder Oof. watch me get credit in meetings <laughs> i'm in pain <laughs> so harry says that quirrell had voldy sticking out the back of his head and gets another week's worth of detention harry's an idiot oh, shut up harry angelina screams at him again which yeah fair enough harry mm-hmm. it's, it's, you should be screamed at by your quidditch captain she he tries yep. to get all annoyed at her i'm like she's your captain shut up you're yep. an idiot mm-hmm. yeah umbridge is then inspecting transfiguration and mcgonagall again is much like hermione a queen of the undermining without doing anything that is wrong she ignores the presence mm-hmm. of uh, sorry, I'm laughing at my next note. She calls the presence <laughs> of Umbridge completely, and then I have just written in capitals: "What is Dean Thomas doing to the sna- to doing to the mouse?" <laughs> what? There's a line that just says, "Like McGonagall has a load of speech, and in the middle of that speech, it says, Mr. Thomas, if you don't stop doing that to the mouse immediately, I will put you in detention.'" Yeah, I what? had that in my notes too. I was oh like, my gosh! Why? <laughs> what are you doing to the mouse? <laughs> I just love Dean and Seamus so much. Like I I would happily have the books just rewritten just from yeah, their from perspective. Their like completely. Honestly, OTP. Yeah, oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. They were doing it and also they were doing it and they weren't even like drawing the curtain shut, but Harry was just like <laughs> I'm going to focus on me and just like completely <laughs> ignored the gay sex I'm in front of I'm having another nightmare. <laughs> I've had a vision of Voldemort. Look at me. I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, he just does uh, not observe anything around him, including anal. But also he doesn't observe what the hell Dean Thomas is doing to this mouse because we never find out. So you can all Damn. draw your own conclusions from that. Tweet at um, me at Sequoia <laughs> <laughs> Also, McGonagall 
says that snails are easier to vanish than mice because they're invertebrates compared to mice, which are mammals. That what are the laws of magic, please? Uh, bones are are <laughs> are more. Bones are more. <laughs> Shells are good. <laughs> vanish mouse now. <laughs> I love when J.K. Rowling tries to apply, like, real-world physics to magic, forgetting that magic is magic and you can do whatever you want with it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's funny. Be- Umbridge just ends up observing this and because McGonagall won't let her walk about and say things. So Harry, Ron, Hermione hang back at the end of the lesson to eavesdrop and we find out McGonagall has been teaching 39 years. Fuck yeah. It's I just time. love her with all of my heart. Like genuinely it pains me like it it physically hurts how much i love her well she then smiles at harry and i just wrote a lot of love hearts in a row (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i think like if all of the characters in harry potter had to die and i could only save one i would just save mcgonagall like honestly Bold but valid. That is bold but valid. Mm. Umbridge is also at Care of Magical Creatures and she also tries to find out where Hagrid is. Again, Grubbly Plank does not know. Why would she know? (laughs) Leave this woman alone. (laughs) No, no, no. But this is just so accurate of work situations. You know, when like one of your colleagues (laughs) in like an adjacent job is off, but like you're like, you kind of do the same thing, but in completely different areas. So like you've got no overlap and then they're like Mm. off sick for a day and everyone's like, can you tell me like, this and you're like i know i i, I do can't not, i do not know <laughs> like could you find this file for me i'm like i can go through their folders as much as you can go through their folders mm-hmm. exactly it is kind of heartbreaking how much better of a professor grubbly plank is than hagrid because I you know. love hagrid and you want to love hagrid but he's just not a, a subpar teacher. teacher yeah yeah so yeah. it is good that Umbridge I, got her eyes on this lady. Yeah. But like, I did have a rant in the last episode about how like we're led to believe that Grubbly Plank is like a far superior teacher. But actually what we see is a lesson where their lesson and their homework is to draw a bow truckle. And this is supposed <laughs> to be their like GCSE level work. And they're literally just <laughs> drawing it. And I'm like, that's not what a good lesson is. <laughs> Maybe no one at Hogwarts can teach. It's, it's like she might be a better teacher than Hagrid, but like the bar is like just on the floor. It <laughs> is on the floor. In this school, yes. <laughs> Harry gets himself another night's detention for I don't even know what. I didn't even write a note about what he did because it just keeps getting himself detentions. I think he yells that Balfoy is an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I didn't write a note either because that, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah. Just at this point, Harry, shut up. <laughs> so Harry then has another detention. He definitely Ron- has a knife kink. I'm sorry. I know that I was going on about this last episode, but why does he keep trying to give himself detention if he's not enjoying it? I, do, I don't know at this I'm, point. I'm not he- kink shaming. I'm just saying. Harry has the largest hero complex of any character <laughs> I have ever looked at in my whole life. And he thinks... He's helping and he's not helping. He's not, no, he's not helping himself. He's not helping anyone. 
Why, why don't you... I'm like, look at McGonagall. McGonagall is in the, the Order of the Phoenix. Do you see her yelling at people? No, because she's being smart about how to actually do things. Mm-hmm. Right. So he goes to another detention. And then when he gets back, Ron and Hermione have stayed up for him and prepared a solution of Mertlap tentacles to help his hand, which is very nice of them. It's very nice. So Hermione then starts saying that they need to do something about them not learning anything about Defence Against the Dark Arts. Not only because it means they won't know anything for their exams, but also because they do genuinely need to protect themselves and they need a teacher. And Hermione's going on about like a teacher and Harry's like, oh, do you mean Lupin? And she's like, no, idiot, I don't mean Lupin. <laughs> I la, la, admire la, la. this. <laughs> I admire this purely because if this was me and I was like, right, I'm not learning this information. I'm going to need to know it, not only for my exams, but also because it potentially might save my life at some point. Mm-hmm. If I had that thought process, I would then follow that up with, this sounds like a problem for me in the future and then I would do nothing about it. <laughs> oh, me too. Oh, it's a mood. Yeah. No, same. <laughs> but Hermione decides the best teacher in all the land is Harry, which I see her point, but oh my God. <laughs> Harry's an idiot. Oh my God. Like, I, I really enjoy the bit, this whole thing of him learning to teach and stepping up with the whole Dumbledore's army thing, but her leaps of logic to get to the point of him yeah. teaching them, I'm just like, really? Am I yeah. any? Like, really? And what? Harry's like, why me? And she's like, look what you've done. And Harry's like, what have I done? And Ron's just like, I'm now not I sure am. I want someone this stupid teaching me. And then Harry just goes to... To great lengths to like explain away all of his achievements, and this is so yeah. fucking relatable as someone with like a severely <laughs> chronic case of like imposter syndrome, and just like whenever anyone compliments anything I've done or whenever I have a an achievement, I literally explain it away as hard as I can to the point yep. of absolute insanity, and I'm just like, I get this, Harry. I totally get it. Like, yeah, there is nothing I could do at this point where I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, but like. Right. A hundred percent. But it's also like a really good, like you can tell Hermione has been thinking about this for a long time. And of course she's Mm -hmm. been thinking about it. I mean, a long time. Quotation marks. They've been in school for like, what, a week or whatever. Um, (laughs) But she clearly is a person who wants to ace her exams, of course. But she also is a person who wants to defeat Voldemort in some type of way so she's been having this thought since Umbridge sat them down and was like read a book and do nothing else right yeah so she's been having this thought and she has probably I'm thinking run through every other possible scenario in her (laughs) brain and then she's like well I guess we gotta ask Harry yeah (laughs) Harry next (laughs) She's, yeah, she's thought through everything. She Harry's like, we could, I suppose, Lupin. And she's like, no, I already asked him. <laughs> <laughs> he said no. Exactly. <laughs> but so Harry is, yeah, doing this imposter job. It wasn't me. I had luck. La, 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 la. And Har- Hermione and Ron are kind of like joking around with him. They're kind of like, it was you. Come on. And Harry completely loses his temper at them. And I think this is, as we have mentioned so many times, his unprocessed trauma really coming out and hitting Hermione and Ron in the face because Harry is angry at them 
that they haven't lived through what he's had to live through without him realizing that that's not their fault and they shouldn't have to live through that but also that he needs to work out a way to work through what he's lived through that is not yelling at them like they're not taking it out on him they are not being flippant and it's not their fault they haven't lived through the horrors that you have lived through yeah my notes literally say and i quote harry has a lot of trauma (laughs) (laughs) that's just like the subtitle of this book harry potter the order of the phoenix harry has a lot lot of trauma trauma. (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely and then hermione says voldemort's name for the first time and they go to bed and harry dreams of corridors and locked doors and that's it that's the chapter what did we think of these chapters (laughs) words so many words (laughs) i think a lot i think that uh you know we see a lot of Sirius being extremely immature for his age because he did not have the time to mature and we see a lot of harry having a lot of trauma and harry not being able to process that he's bi and i think that those are big (laughs) themes of this book definitely it also like shit starts to kick off really quite early in this book like a lot of these books it's kind of like the last term where it's like and then stuff happened whereas now it's literally (laughs) just like so we're like a week into term and harry's already being tortured by one of his teachers and you're like this is a lot yeah um (laughs) but yeah like i don't know like i I literally don't know i don't know where i was going with that point (laughs) great sequoia could you please tell us all about where people can find you and what you do and your new exciting podcast as well as your existing podcast. Yeah, for sure. So I'm the co-host of Fanatical Fix and Where to Find Them, a Harry Potter fan fiction podcast where we find the most ridiculous fan fictions possible and read them to each other. That can be found wherever podcasts are cast and also at Fanatical Fix on social media. You can also find my other podcast, But Make It Scary, where we take romance films and turn them into scary stories at but make it scary on all social media and also wherever pods are cast yes and if you guys want to hear more of the three of us uh yelling about (laughs) things then you can head over to but make it scary where me and charlie came on and we turned the british classic four weddings and a funeral into two horror films and it was some of the most fun i've ever had both films called four weddings and four funerals yes yes i think we need to employ someone to beat us over the head every time we're like british in case you didn't know (laughs) british but um disgusting at this point (laughs) really cannot recommend that you go and check out sequoia's work because as someone that despite being you just said really cannot recommend you go check out sequoia's work (laughs) really cannot recommend enough enough at the end of that sentence (laughs) It is almost 1am and I've had a lot to drink. I meant do do go and do that. Do go and check out the things. I, as someone that has a podcast but also barely listens to podcasts and doesn't like most podcasts, like I love both Fanatical Figs and Make It Scary and that's probably about like one of five podcasts. Two, well, two of five podcasts that I can actually tolerate. So that is high praise. Aww, thank you. Not just tolerate <laughs> very much enjoy so thank you so much for coming on this has been uh, we're sorry for how long we kept you yes. but this has been so much fun we are very quickly realizing that from book five onwards we may need to do one chapter per episode rather than two um because these edits are becoming a nightmare <laughs> yeah we are slowly coming to terms with this <laughs> 
yeah so thank you so much for coming on and thank you all for listening and we'll see you in the next episode bye 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Veronica, Vera, Sophie, Sandra, Samuel, Rhiannon, Matalib, Matt, Kristen, Katie, Catherine, Jacqueline, Emily, Chantel, and Alexia. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.